This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back, everybody, to 12-Pack Radio, the best podcast in the world covering all Pac-12 news, Pac-12 football, Pac-12 basketball, Pac-12 recruiting news. This is Brian Conger. I'm the host of Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast, the best podcast in the world covering Arizona everything. You can dig us there. But this is a Pac-12 podcast, and we are in the midst of of a continuation of our 12-part series where we are breaking down every single Pac-12 team. We're going depth by, we're position by position. We're going depth charts. We're going, uh, we're making jokes. We're doing everything. We have advanced analytics. And to join me is Mr. Rob Bowron, the wizard, the, the wonderful mastermind behind the beta rank advanced college football statistics. What is going on, Rob? Oh, I am currently in the sweltering humidity of South Carolina, but excited to be talking about some West Coast football. Good times, man. It is uh, it is balls hot out there, and, and I'm not even in that state. I know how bad it is, though. <laughs> it's, it's a little absurd, actually. Like It makes you wonder what people, what in the world brought people here before air conditioning. Do you know the air conditioning fun fact, and then we'll get to football? My my understanding is that, and you can fact check us. Oh, by the way, you can follow us on Twitter, 12-Pack Radio. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. Like, you name it, we are there. It only took us two weeks to get there. So we, we are rolling, and we are going to continue cranking out Pac-12 content. With that said, fun fact, I think. You know, everything on the internet is true. I've learned that, uh, you know, a long time ago. Uh, air conditioning was first, uh, I think, invented to get people to stay in movie theaters. Did you hear this? Uh, I had not heard that, but that would be a reasonable, you know, assumption. Yes. Yeah. Read it on BuzzFeed. It's got to be true. So, uh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are in the, like we said, we're in the midst of previewing every Pac-12 team. We are doing UCLA, which is such a fascinating team this year. Obviously, the entrance of Chip Kelly with a quasi-talented team, a questionable quarterback situation, and just we're really, really excited to get into this. And uh, let's just do this now because, oh, by the way, I should mention that this is everything we're doing. We're reading from our complete ultimate guide to the Pac-12. We call it our um, completely uncalled for Pac-12 2018 football preview, which you could check out on Wildcat Radio AZ, which is our website. Um, but Rob, so so you have basically done advanced analytics on every Pac-12 team. What does UCLA look like uh, according to the numbers? And then we'll kind of go into what we saw on the field, and then we'll go into the different position breakdowns. Uh, and last year, this is sort of, you know, under the previous regime under Mora, um, it was an unusual team, even by Morris standards. They had a they had a very good offense. Um, you know, they ranked thirty five thirty fifth in the country. Um, they were an explosive offense, so they relied on some of their playmakers and having Josh Rosen uh, getting the playmakers the ball. Um, they were extremely pass heavy uh, on on their offense, so they ranked sixth in the effective pass, but one hundred and twelfth in run, which is interesting with Chip Kelly coming in because Kelly's a bit more run heavy. Um, and they, they didn't turn the ball over a ton. Uh, they actually, because their defense was so bad, they didn't have great field position. Um, but overall, a, a good offense. And that was matched by actually, oddly enough, by a very bad defense. Um, they ranked 87th nationally. 
Um, they were not great at drive efficiency, play efficiency, um, and they weren't great at getting off the field uh, with three and outs. But what really stands out about this UCLA defense from last year, and I think is a, was something that we'll talk about as being very tough to fix, is they were they were terrible against the run. They were sort of mediocre against the pass, ranking 62nd in effective pass, but they ranked 111th against the run last year, um, which is going to be something that's going to be difficult for them to just sort of turn around and fix, um, even though the model sort of predicts them. Uh, and this is a little bit of foreshadowing to, to do have a bit of a bounce back this year. You know, we talk about the defense. We were pretty bullish on UCLA's defense the last two years we've done. I think this yeah. is our third year in a row we've, where we've done in-depth breakdowns, looking at recruiting classes and player development and where they are and returning players and all that stuff. And UCLA should have had a, a much better defense this year and the previous year, but the Jim Moore era was just a mess. And you talk about forget, <laughs> forgettable. You know, you have the best, one of the best quarterbacks that's a pro-style quarterback in the last couple of years at UCLA. And while you were talking about them, UCLA being ranked 35th, like I wrote this preview and I still was like, wait, who's their quarterback? Oh my gosh, it was Josh Rosen. I totally forgot for a moment that he was the quarterback there. You know, clearly yeah. they were able to move the ball down the field, but in terms of uh, finding success from the Josh Rosen era, uh, it, it, w- it was what it was. He was he was a successful quarterback, but the offense itself didn't put it together. And you have all these five-star players in the running game that just haven't really pieced anything coherent in the last couple of years. So I want to get into the quarterback situation here first because it is unique and intriguing and wonderful, and there are so many options here that Chip Kelly can use. Obviously, Chip Kelly was known as somebody that has been particularly creative at the quarterback position, and, and even in the NFL. Like, this is a guy that was a lot, he basically made Nick Foles look like a champ, which he is, by the way, but he was kind of the OG when it comes <laughs> to making Nick Foles, uh, to showing people what Nick Foles was capable of as a quarterback. And he wasn't particularly known as a guy that was able to be mobile in the backfield he was basically a statue still so it kind of shows that he's able to adapt to the situation that he's put in and and with that said he has a a really good position obviously we talk about Josh Rosen and all that stuff but now that he's gone there are three quarterbacks that he has at his disposal the first is Devin Modster and I frankly didn't think he was all that good last year if you look at the statistics it's fine I mean 65 percent completion rate uh, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. I thought he was a, a big drag on that offense when he was playing Kansas State. It just didn't seem like he had the ability to move the offense as much as uh, as Josh Rosen. And yeah, you're comparing him to one of the best pro-style quarterbacks in the country, but it was a, a huge drag on them. And I think that the, the staff may have shown their cards a little bit in the sense of bringing in a Michigan transfer in Wilton uh, Spate, who was was really good last year. I'm sorry, really good in 2016. Uh, 61% completion rate, uh, 2,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Granted, those statistics are not as good as Monster. I understand that. <laughs> but uh, when you blow them out, I know, I know. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. And then we have Dorian, Th- Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was the number two dual threat quarterback of the 2018 class. Let's go with you, Rob. Let's go position by, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, quarterback by quarterback, kind of the pros and cons, and who do you think is going to be the quarterback that Chip Kelly is going to rely on? I mean, before Spate transferred in, I really thought Monster, despite the fact that he's he didn't wow people last year. And I think that's, 
it's a little unfair given how young he is and how, how bad the Bruins were at running the ball last year uh, in their offense um, that to not live up to, you know, as good as the offense was when Josh Rosen was running it. It's, that's a kind of a high bar, but he's a, he's, he's athletic. He's not super mobile. He's a pocket passer. Um, he's got a big arm. Um, and I think he's a guy you certainly expect to develop. I mean, he's still an underclassman. Um, but Spate is, he, on the other hand, is he's he's reasonably mobile-ish. I mean, he actually, uh, but he's he's six six, and I'm six six. He's he's not he's not gonna be burning you with his speed or anything like that. Um, and he's he's you'd, I'd be shocked if he had a lot of interest from a lot of other programs. He sort of transferred out when Shea Patterson transferred into Michigan and was going to become immediately eligible out of Old Miss. Um, so he you kind of feel like the staff probably was not confident in the depth they had, but in order to land him, you kind of feel like they had to at least give him a wink and say, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll have a very, very good chance to start here. Um, you know, staffs always say they don't guarantee starting positions, but I'd be, I'd be a little shocked if he wasn't at least given something. I would but, so guarantee starting positions if I were a coach. I'd be like, dude, come on aboard, man. Water's warm. I mean, it's one, it's one thing to say that with like, incoming freshman like of course you don't guarantee like an incoming freshman unless it's like a five star and you're like i don't know kansas you're like come in you'll start immediately um <laughs> but the for a grad trend i mean to land a grad transfer quarterback like you're you're making something some concession but all of that may be moot because kelly's yes kelly i think is a smart enough offensive mind to adapt to whatever hand he sort of dealt, but his bread and butter is the run heavy offensive spread. Uh, and he happens to have uh, a guy who committed to Mora and was, I'm sure very excited to see Kelly get hired during Thompson Robinson, um, who fits like a glove, what Kelly sort of wants to do, but he has to learn the playbook. He has to adapt to the college game and win the, win the coach's confidence. I, I don't know that, you, I mean, UCLA is going to have some trouble on the offensive line this year. I don't know that necessarily they're going to be in contention for maybe even a lot at the end of the season with the new redshirt rule. I'd be shocked if Thompson Robinson's not playing. Um, but if that's the case, I, I mean, it's sort of a question of for Modster. I mean, if you get beat out by Spate um, and you're kind of looking down the gun of like Thompson Robinson's probably going to be playing at the end of the year. I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't transfer mid, you know, very, very, very early on to try to keep as much eligibility as he could. Yeah, I think all three of these guys, if you're most programs in the Pac-12, you look at this this uh, depth chart and just go, yeah, I'll take that. Spade, yeah. a, a legitimate starter at, at a Big Ten school. Now, granted, the biggest knock on Jim Harbaugh has been the development of the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks of that system, right? They had like John Corn or whatever playing. Now, but Spate did, uh, Spate did get hurt. Uh, with that said, like the Modster is a legit, was a legitimate blue chip player coming out of high school. Dorian Thompson Robinson is uh, a legitimate, like one of the best in the country coming out of high school. And then you have a transfer. So it'll just be interesting. I think this whole team is fascinating because you have all these pieces that are kind of floating everywhere and you go, all right, how is Chip Kelly? One of the most brilliant minds in college football. How's he going to put them together? And by the way, as the entire game caught up to him, the last like five or six years, is he going to have more bags and more tricks in his bag? So um, I still think it's, 
going to be Spade. I'm with you. I think that at some point uh, there's there had to been like a nudge with Spade saying, look, if you come over, we'll at least give you the, the best possible opportunity to start. Um, and I love this new red shirt rule where you can we're going to see Thompson Robinson on the field almost guaranteed uh, playing. And that, oh, and that yeah. for any college football fan is incredibly exciting. Anytime you can see these young freshmen play like a perfect example. Now this could go terribly, right? I think Arizona fans that saw Khalil Tate play quarterback uh, two years ago. was like, holy Moses, this guy's totally not ready to play yet. And right. then a year of development, all of a sudden he's a different player. So uh, anyway, it'll be, it'll be exciting to see that. Let, let's move from, unless you have anything else on the quarterback front. No, no. I mean, I think you're right. And I just was, I mean, you'd be, if monster transfers out, I mean, and it's sort of like the two guys that if they get beat out by JT Daniels at USC, um, Fink and, and Sears, you know, there could be three quarterbacks leaving LA this year. And most everyone in the PAC 12 would be pretty happy with any of those guys on their roster. No, absolutely. And when we go to intriguing, we go from the quarterback to the running back again, Chip Kelly's been known to be incredibly creative with his offense, with his running backs, putting him in a position to succeed. He has some just interesting players at UCLA here. Sasso Jombo was a former five-star, one of the top running backs coming out of high school. He has underperformed his last couple years in uh, Westwood. Last year, he at least improved. He had 4.9 yards of carry, but he only uh, carried for, I think it was like 500 yards or something. It wasn't, it wasn't anything good. And the running game was just a mess last year. Uh, under Jim Mora. You have somebody like Brandon Stevens, who's this big guy, uh, 6'1", 210. And I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot here because I think their starting running backs <laughs> going to be, uh, is it Bolu, Olorunfundme? Yeah, Olorunfundme, yes. B.O. I can't, I, I wish, I, yeah, I really wish I knew, I, like, off the top of my head, what UCLA beat writers called him. Yeah. <laughs> Bolu O, I think, or so. But, I mean, I yeah. think he was the, he's probably going to be the bell cow. It seems like they're going to split the carries here. With that said, yeah. now, he, he was the, the player of fame where he was basically um, doing a, uh, remember Teen Wolf, where Teen Wolf was, like, riding on the, uh, did you ever watch that Band movie? surfing? Yeah, van surfing. He was like van surfing, but on like a guy's shoulders into the end zone. Did you see this last year? Yeah, it was like the, it was one of the best highlights like of the year last year. So that was him. So I think I, I don't know. Like uh, the, all, all these three guys are okay, but when you look at UCLA's running back depth, I mean, I got to put him in the bottom of the conference, right? Like at least, I mean, probably in the the bottom quarter, unless. Uh, again, unless Chelly, unless Chip Kelly uses his magic, I don't know. What do you see in this running game here? I mean, it's tough because they, I mean, they were bad last year at running the football, and I mean, they had a good offense, but they were incredibly reliant on the pass to actually um, get yards and points. And um, there were more sort of shifted back and forth. There was there was the year that he you know really wanted to have the. I'm going to, you know, punch you in the face and run over you and score points offense. And it was, I, I felt like it was a bit of an ego trip and I it, Rosen did not play well in that offense at all. Um, and last year they went back to a little more of a wide open offense. Um, although they sort of considered themselves multiple. I think this year, I mean, you do expect these guys to, I expect them to have better numbers and, than they had last year. Um, and probably you would say better numbers than they've had over their entire careers, yeah. but I certainly don't expect them to suddenly play up to their star level. And that's really because I just don't think the offensive line can open up the holes for them. Um, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to need some misdirection to cover up for the offensive line 
problems. And I, I think they're, it's going to, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Bolo is a, he's a big guy. He's a bit more of a power back. Um, you know, and so, so is, is, is fast. And, you know, still when you see him, I mean, he's just, he's looking, he's a bit of a physical marvel. Um, but they haven't been able to really put it together. And I, I don't know that these guys are going to be able to put up great. I, I think they'll put up good numbers. And I think they'll put up maybe even career numbers for them over there for this year, but they're going to, I don't know that they're going to be able to get out of the backfield to catch passes. Cause I think they're going to have to stay home and block. Yeah. I think it's I think it could be a tough year and it's, it's weird because when you look at these guys and you look at the, this UCLA depth chart, you know, like there's, there are just so many spots where it's like, oh, there's this guy. Remember this guy? He was this huge recruiting get for UCLA, and it just didn't work. Yeah, it's all o- all over the roster. It's just such an amazing yeah. like science experiment of like, can Chip Kelly get this together? It, and I, I completely agree with you in the sense that they, they will all have just career numbers, and they still might win four games, and the rushing you know, attack. I mean, I mean, be one of the worst. Yeah. In the, not the worst in the in the conference, but it won't it won't be blow your mind. You know, Chip Kelly numbers. No, I just I don't. I mean, I, I believe that Kelly is going to emphasize running the football. I just these guys could all be great. I I don't know the line. You know, when you're starting center as your former starting defensive tackle, <laughs> and it's not like your defensive line was like really it like had a ton of depth when you made that move. Like that's like a desperation move. Um, just gonna, I think they're going to have a tough time finding holes. The the one thing that I'm interested in. And fall camp is coming up, so it'll be, you know, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on this. By the way, we wrote our preview after spring camp, so this is kind of like a, a hold me over until fall camp. But basically, we were kind of projecting into fall camp and obviously who we think is going to start. So when Chip Kelly got to UCLA, he, like, immediately went to the track and field coach and said, like, who are we recruiting together? And, and the right. coach is kind of like, what? Um, and basically, he's saying, like, who is who are the fastest people in the country that play football? And right. they, they found this kid named, uh, I think it's Casimir Allen. I, I could be mispronouncing his name. Um, and he committed, and he's the number 14 uh, running back in the 2018 class. He's 5'10", 175. I don't know if he'll see the field, but that's the kind of creativity that, that Chip Kelly brings to any team that he coaches for, where he just kind of goes, all right, who can we both bring in that's, that's fast, that's going to fit in my system? So it'll be interesting to see if he gets on the field, and if he doesn't, I could definitely see a situation where they're just using him to do this funky stuff you know, next year or in a couple of years. So keep, a, keep an eye out for him. And if he's playing, yeah. like if, if, if you're hearing good stuff from him out of camp, like believe it and just know that there have been a number of bigger backs that are in front of him that have not lived up to expectations. And I think Kelly's in a position where he can do some kind of uh, funky stuff and, and bring somebody like Allen onto the field. So just, just, a, 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 just something to put in the back of your mind. Yeah, oh no, I agree. Yeah. Let's go to the receivers because uh, there is a wasteland of four- and five-star receivers that, that basically start from Westwood and make it all the way to Salt Lake City, like the two programs that just consistently like bury their wide receivers for some reason. But I do think that the majority of them come from Westwood. It has been so frustrating. As somebody that grew up in Southern California that, that was a UCLA fan uh, way back when, before I became an Arizona fan, uh, to see the talent continue to, to commit to UCLA and go, oh my goodness, there's friggin' five, four-star 
four to five star players on this wide receiving core. They should be awesome. And then be consistently disappointed in them, even when you have a player like Josh Allen slinging the ball around. So th- this year they finally, uh, last year they finally whoa, whoa, had a- Josh Rosen. Did they say Josh Allen? <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> my bad. Wrong. Too many Joshes. Wrong Josh. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, both NFL guys, but uh, one of them is going to do a little better than the other one. Um, let's uh, let's take a look at this wide receiving core because last year um, I, I did think that. Uh, because of Rosen's talent, you did see a couple of players step up, and, and it was is it lastly, lastly. Uh, I got to go back and look, but uh, was yeah, one oh of yeah, them. you had a good year last year. Yeah, I was really surprised that that somebody finally rose up to the occasion, and he did. Um, he leaves, and this is kind of a hodgepodge of talent where you have somebody like Theo Howard, six foot, um, one eighty. It caught, you know, like 56 receptions, 600 yards. Uh, and then you kind of look down and you go, okay, these, some of these guys are like highly, highly recruited, but I don't, you know, like Diamond Lee's a perfect example, right? 6'2, 185. He's a four star player. And you go, is, is he going to be good? I, I, these guys have never been good. So what, what do you see in this, uh, in this UCLA receiving core? No, and they've got a lot to replace. I mean, they were they were a very, very good passing offense last year, and they were very explosive, and most of that came out of the wide receivers. So, uh, but after Theo Howard, you have Christian Pavico, who's you know chalked in to to start you know opposite him. He's a former walk on, and that's something that you don't normally hear in a program like UCLA. Something Arizona fans are sort of used to hearing, <laughs> um, but. The fact that he's he's been consistent, he's not great. He's, I mean, people say he's like, I mean, this is sort of a. Um, I feel like you describe like anyone that's uh, like he's 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 reasonably quick. He's not super fast. He's a bit of a body control and and uh, you know route running type guy, uh, which is good. Um, but he's beat out like Diamond Lee. Diamond Lee has all the tangibles that you want, and he should be starting. Um, He's gonna he's gonna see. I mean, Chip Kelly's gonna find a way to, to use someone like Diamond Lee. But yeah, there's just so many folks on this uh, on this two deep that um, that you look at that. Uh, and and Kelly's gonna spread it out. He will spread it out to run it, but he's gonna have three, four receivers on the field uh, depending on. So these guys are gonna get on the field. I mean, and Diamond Lee, he's he's not a slot receiver so he he may not even get as much you know playing time as um somebody else even further down and they did lose recently brian addison um who was one of their freshman four-star um wide receivers he was the number three athlete in the 2018 class uh actually had some worries that he was not going to academically qualify at ucla and they give granted him a full release and he's probably going to go somewhere in the conference uh, he may actually announce this weekend i've been on vacation so he may have already decided to go somewhere in the conference but um that's a big loss for them uh depth wise they don't have uh an immense amount of depth in, in this so um there's talent it's a little thin and a little unproven and the one thing to keep in mind is Chip Coley, Chip Coley, Chip Kelly has only had one player in his entire collegiate career that has caught more than 60 passes. So like, it's not yeah. like they're slinging the ball around everywhere. And whenever I think of the Oregon offense, I think of, you know, people, little, little guys sleezing around and doing some fun stuff. And then just big bodies that block for the run. Um, they can catch and stuff, but you, you see somebody like, uh, is it Josh Huff? I forget the guy out there. Where, yeah. You know, like that, that guy had all of the pieces 
um, he, he had the body and everything and he was blocking like more than he was being a receiver. Uh, and then Chip Kelly drafted him and he ended up sucking the NFL. Uh, but like the NFL is a little bit different, obviously than college, but th- those are the types of players when Oregon comes to mind and Chip Kelly comes to mind, it's the six, three, six, two big body. And I'm like, why don't you pass to those guys more? And uh, so, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at this depth chart going like, eh, like, you know, maybe you have somebody like, uh, you know, Chase Coda come in and do some fun stuff. Who's like one of the, better uh, commits to UCLA. I think he was like the number 18 wide receiver coming out of his class. Uh, but at the end of the day, like Kelly's not going to sling this ball around as much as, uh, as I, I think he I think the people think he will, but it'll be bizarre. Again, we're going back to like, what is this going to be? It's going to be bizarre because he has these three running backs that might not be that good in a right. quarterback situation that nobody knows what's going on. So just a funk. It's going to be a funky offense, man. And you see always the like the only way to describe them coming is like and I often like I probably overuse this and like, but they're like a bit of the island of misfit toys. Like there's just yeah. there are some like. I mean, there are some guys that are clearly going to play on Sundays on this team, and it's not like a small number. Um, but there are some there is there are also some guys that like you know, and you don't you don't usually say this about UCLA. There are some guys in some spots this year, and they may develop later. But I, I don't know that they would start on a lot of other Pac-12 teams, and that's not something you usually say about the Bruins. The Island of the Misfit Toys describes the UCLA offense. And the Lane Kiffin coaching staff, like I think both of those are like right along the same lines there uh, for different reasons, though. All right, let's go from the receiving core to the offensive line because this is such a mess. And they have. Do we want to talk about the tight ends real quick? Oh, yes, yes. They they actually do have uh, this is if they have good depth on the offense and like some talent returning. It's definitely here. Yeah, good call because Caleb Wilson is legit. So, yeah, go, go, go for it on the tight ends. Yeah, I mean they're. I mean, I, 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 I did the roster put together that you know that you know, got as the the sort of the bones of the preview, I guess you could say, for UCLA. And um, Caleb Wilson's great. And if he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year, um, you know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's the one that going after the draft instead of Austin Roberts. Um, and they might feel better had Roberts stayed about their sort of overall depth. I mean, it'd be sort of hard to get both of those guys in the field. Um, Chip Kelly generally does not run a Jim Harbaugh or David Shaw to two tight end offense. Boo. <laughs> At two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but behind that, you've got, I mean, Jordan Wilson, who's got some experience. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he's been around a bit and put on some weight, but, Jimmy Jagers, who was a huge get for them, um, the number 10 tight end in 2017. They bring in, um, Michael Aziki, the number, uh, 13 tight end in 2018. And that's, they still have, you know, Moses Robinson Carr, who's, you know, got a little bit of, uh, experience too. I just, I'd actually be, when I, when I look at this tight end group, um, when tight end, Kelly can use them and has used them, uh, but it's, you know, it's not a position that's sort of like often the sort of uh, one that gets a lot of headlines uh, in his offenses in the past. So um, he may have actually, because the NFL is a very tight end heavy league still, he may have uh, learned to use the tight end a little better. But um, I'd be surprised actually if they were able to keep all of this talent. Um, there's a lot of really good players here on this depth chart. Um yeah. The one thing to yeah. mention is Jager's uh, medically retired, which was a bummer because he, he oh, was like that's a, right. Yeah, he was like a top ten or top something. He was one of the better guys that were coming into UCLA, and I was really excited about him because, like, I, I am. I'm, and you mentioned the fact that Kelly may have picked up 
how to use a tight end like a real coach. And I'm very excited yeah. about that. So when Jager's met in their time, I'm like, no, come on. Oh, no, that's right. Well, that's, that clears up a lot of their, like, they, they probably won't have anyone transfer out then. That clears out some of their congestion they're going to have there for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, speaking of, of needing a tight end, let's talk about this offensive line. Cause I, I would assume you're going to see a tight end <laughs> play a lot here because uh, they're going to need a block. So, uh, so quick question for you here, right? You, so you're – let's say you're watching ESPN or you're kind of like tracking the NFL. Like what was your reaction when you saw that two UCLA offensive linemen were drafted in the first five rounds of the NFL draft? I was surprised. I mean, uh, it's the offensive line. I mean, it is tough to judge an individual performance on the line and it almost requires like an individual evaluator looking at a lot of, you know, very specific game tape. Um, the line as a whole though, I mean, they they did pass block for Rosen reasonably well. I mean, Rosen took some shots last year though too, um, and they really did not open up holes uh, for the running backs. And yeah, I was surprised uh, to see it. That's not to say that like there's there's three other players on the line, and if they're not any good, then yeah, then yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, the unit, the unit, the unit as a whole is going to struggle. Um, but it was a little, it was, it was a little spread. And I believe they left one. I mean, at least one of them left early. Um, too. the guy that was drafted in the first round, didn't you leave early? I think so. Well, you lost, they lost three starters, two of them NFL draft picks and six yeah. total offensive linemen are gone. I mean, holy yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Westwood chip, you know, like right. kind of a funky situation for him. Um, I do think that, you know, like a junior tackle, Andre James uh, was a former blue chip commit that has, has kind of lived up to who he was supposed to be. But, oh, right. my goodness, like you were mentioning, so they're bringing defensive linemen on here, like Boss Tagaloa, who I was, like, kind of excited about as a defensive lineman. I'm like, what? Like, he's playing – I think he's playing center, right? Right. And, I mean, he was – I mean, speaking of people who were a big get for – I mean, he was a big get for UCLA when they got him uh, to commit and never quite lived up to expectations on the defensive line. I mean, it's not like the defense was any great shakes last year in particular against the run, but the defensive line is – Thin, and we will we will cover that. But um, apparently, they are not as desperate or as thin <laughs> as the offensive line because they're bringing. I mean, I think he's he's at least a junior, if not a senior, this year. I, I'm gonna have to go look down a little bit. Um, that that's not. Um, oh yeah, he's a junior. So I mean, he's that's something you normally see on bad teams. You know, like, and and there's two of them. Like Jake Burton is a is a defensive lineman too, and he's probably going to start. You're like, what? what? This is this is very yeah. very bad. This is awful. Um, and, and when yeah. you look when you look at, you know, everybody thinks Chip Kelly, you know, blah blah blah. But you look at Vegas's season win total, and you look at most of these projections of UCLA. The reason, if you're not a UCLA fan and you don't follow this team, the reason they are projected so low is because of the trenches. Their offensive line is so thin and their defensive line is thin. You're going to have these major, major issues. And I think UCLA fans are going to tear their hair out this year, but they're going to like know the fact that that's going to happen because it is just so bad. The one thing is like, I think it's Michael Alves. I I might be pronouncing his his last name uh, incorrectly, but he was a true freshman that started all 13 games and he's coming back. And I think that's kind of interesting to see whether or not he can progress into like a you know an all 
second team Pac-12 player or something. Usually, you know, if you're starting as a freshman, even if your line sucks, I think that does show a lot about what you're able to do and, and kind of your ability to be really strong in the future. So he might be a four-year starter for UCLA and turn out to be like yeah. an NFL draft pick. But but there's only one of him. So, Well, an offensive line, when we talk about this, like offensive lines, you they take a little time to gel, you know. And when you're losing three, you know, three starters off a team, you have to replace them. And when you look across your talent that you have and you say, nope, we need to bring over some, some guys that normally play defense. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't give you a lot of confidence and it shouldn't. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just not, it's not a move that, um, you know, you make, uh, when things are going well. Um, so I, I'm, if, if there's a big, I mean, the, the model, you know, projects the offense to actually be fairly good this year. Um, and I am, I, 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 it projects them in at 40. Um, I'm a little, I'd say they have some downside. <laughs> yeah, I would I say so. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't think it's, I mean, so most, I mean, it's partly like on offense, it's partly, it's a little more built on who you, how much you have returning, how good you were last year, because offense is more about learning a system because you have the advantage of initiative. You're calling the plays. Um, and so you're, you know, the defense is often more about reaction. So it's a little more correlated with recruiting than offenses, which we'll, we'll get to because I think UCLA's defensive projection is actually way too high. Um, and it's based on they've had such solid recruiting of late, but the, um, I don't, I don't think that this line can necessarily hold up. Um, and if they get, if there are injuries, it could get thin really fast for them. Um, I, and uh, yeah, some of its schedule, I mean, UCLA has a brutal schedule this year. Um, and that's going to hurt, but yeah, there's, I just, I mean, this offense, it, I mean, if, if Kelly gets them anywhere near this projection, like, he should be coach of the year. I mean, elite, I mean, like that's amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> look, you look at this ragtag offensive line. Um, they they got a they got a guy like Justin Murphy who's a Texas Tech transfer <laughs> who like retired from football, and he's like, oh, I really want to get into real estate in Los Angeles. Like, I might play offensive line again. I mean, that that's kind of the that's how far down they're trying to figure out who they can. Yeah. Play in here. <laughs> No, that was a good pick. I mean, it's not that that was a bad. I mean, that's a that's a decent pickup for them. And I was actually really hoping that um, maybe Arizona might be a little more active in the offensive line transfer market, given how thin things sort of felt on our end. But you know, I just I don't think that necessarily that yeah that there's a lot to rely on here. Um, and they didn't look great in the spring. I mean, even going against their bad um, defensive line, uh, and UCLA does have some good linebackers, but. Um, it was not, it wasn't great. They didn't look great. They, they're, they're going to struggle with cohesion. Um, and I think they're going to have, they have a real, real, stu- real stiff non-conference test coming. <laughs> okay. So, so numbers aside, so beta rank has them ranked 40th in the, in yeah. the country. That's their projection this year. Uh, you individually, numbers aside, if you're playing EA sports, uh, NCAA football 2019, what would your grade be for, uh, UCLA? Uh, B minus. Yeah, on offense. I mean, you could give it a C plus. I th- I just I, I think there are just players that are so. I mean, and that that you know they're they're so physically talented and they're such good football players on this offense that they're they're going to make some really good things happen at times. Um, 
I also think that they're going to make some really yeah. dumb mistakes, <laughs> particularly on the line and, and at quarterback. I mean, um, you know, none of these quarterbacks have played in Chip, Kelly, Chip Kelly's system at all. Um, Spate's the only one with any kind of real experience. Um, and it's from a totally, totally different offensive system, um, than Kelly runs. So, eh. I might give it a C plus. I, I think I'm a little <laughs> bit further down on this. I just because the the running backs haven't done it. They've never proven it. I don't trust them even with Chip Kelly. There are some wide receivers on this team that could be really good, but Chip Kelly doesn't normally throw the ball around as much as yeah. other coaches do. You have a question mark at quarterback. You have a, a mess of an offensive line. I mean. It'll just be really interesting to see what happens with this team. And again, like you're saying, if if Kelly can get him into a top forty offense, God bless him, man. That guy, give that guy a raise. Uh, yeah. They're already paying him a lot anyway, but he deserves more. That's that's why they got him. So um, yeah. Well, let, let's go from from offense to defense right after this. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of, but you have heard of me. All right, 12-pack radio rolls along with the completely uncalled for preview of the UCLA defense. I am joined again by Mr. Rob Bowen. What's going on, Rob? Excellent. I'm ready to talk about this defense. Because it's a mess? <laughs> no, not all of it. Not all of it. There's some, there's some bright parts. <laughs> we should start... Just a really important part of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And we should get into that. So let's talk about the defensive line here. So the the defense has switched back to a three four, which is more fitting because they rated this defensive line for offensive linemen. So uh, they're they're switching back to a three four. And this this defensive line last year was exceptionally terrible. They averaged uh, giving up four point seven. I'm sorry, five point seven six yards per carry, which placed them 127th out of 130 teams in Division One football. And like you mentioned with the advanced stats, this was not a good run defense. So it wasn't just general stats. It was advanced stats. So the rebuilding begins. And by rebuilding, we kind of mean like playing with the same players they have, but with a different coach. And uh, I think the defensive line starts with Rick Wade. But before we get into all the different guys that are on the line, who we think is going to start, what were your general impressions about the run defense and the line in general? I mean, the line last year was a huge disappointment for them. Um, even with Wade playing a little linebacker um, last year, I mean they're 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 lighter than you would like. Um, they've moved over a projected starter, Boss Tagaloa. Um, they're and they've had um, some transfers and some losses even before that, so they're extremely thin off of what was a fairly bad unit. Um, and they do. It's not as if they don't have some talent in there. There are some folks that are that are going to play well. They're they're a lot like I mean USC lists themselves as a four three, um, but they you know they run Porter Gustin really more as a you know a rush linebacker. Um, it's really the same defense that UCLA runs, um, where you you could call you know Casey and Lucier South uh, you know a part of that even though we list them as the linebackers um, because they list them as the linebackers. But um, they're going to have a tough time uh, this season uh, improving on what they were last season. Yeah, and we should all we should kind of preface the fact that the linebacking core for this UCLA team on paper is significant. It's, it's pretty significant. They oh, got some good yeah. players. 
And I think when you look at this defensive line, like you're saying, just think that there are some players they can slide in and play that will will have significant minutes on the rush and on the edge and putting pressure on the quarterback. But just looking at like the X's and O's and just looking at the defensive line, it really isn't that great. But it does start with Rick Wade, who had a decent year last year, 33 tackles, five tackles for a loss. Um 66275 not as big as he maybe you want him to be um but definitely more mobile it was interesting cuz uh, he came in last year and I was like oh yeah he could be good and he was good but um but he he wasn't blowing people's minds um after that it's it's interesting you got um uh, Chigazi uh, Noruka, who is a 6'2", 290, more of a traditional tackle. He had 49 yeah. tackles, 8.5 tackles for a loss, which is pretty good for, for a guy that that's a guy who is that size. Um, right. And then uh, Osa, I'm getting better at these name pronunciations. So people that have been listening to us for the last three episodes, like, you're welcome. <laughs> so Osa <laughs> uh, uh, Adegazua, I think is how you pronounce his name, uh, 6'2", yeah, 280. That's- yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, all right, I'm getting, I'm getting there. Um, sophomore, he had 15 tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss, and some sleazy you know, stats like a quarterback hurry, forced fumble, defensive touchdown and stuff. Um, you know, a couple of these guys came on at the end, particularly um, Chigazi, uh, Naruka. He's somebody that kind of came in and was able to make a name for himself. So it's, it's not like there aren't players that – have a couple of bright spots, but after that, it's kind of like, what is going on here? Um, what do you think about those first three guys? I mean, the first three guys, I mean, yeah, you can, you can talk yourself into it in a way. Um, but none of the, I mean, the trouble comes in is like, none of those guys have really shown much ability to actually eat up blocks um, and keep guys bodies off of the linebackers. And that was really the problem for UCLA, UCLA last year was that guys were able to, uh, most of these guys were able to be X'd out with, a, you know, just a single blocker. Um, you know, there's no one here that really requires a double team um, from even some of the mediocre Pac-12 offensive lines in the conference. So that leaves you in trouble because that means you're going to have, you're going to have guys that are coming free to block uh, your linebackers at the point of attack um, and even get off and maybe even block a safety coming down. So it's, there's, with, Tagaloa moving over, they're, you know, they seem a little undersized off of what, you know, some of the defensive lines, some of the better defensive lines that you're going to see around the country are going to be able to do. Um, and you're really going to have to, with all of the losses that they had from transfers and uh, injuries and you know, Tagaloa moving over to offensive line, you're going to really have to see Elijah Wade and Tyler Manoa this year. Um, my expectation is they're not going to just get a red shirt. Um, they're going to have to come in and they'll probably, if, if, I mean, particularly if there's any injuries, but even with any kind of rotation, they're going to have to come in and play. Oh, absolutely. And Elijah Wade was the number 11 weak side defensive end of the 2018 class. And Tyler Manoa yeah. was a top 50 defensive tackle. Uh, and he'll be a true freshman coming in. A couple other things to mention. So we're, we're Arizona fans and we have seen, uh, two things. The first is when you look at stats, like I don't want to get caught stat reading, right? Uh, Naruka had mm-hmm. 49 tackles, eight and a half tackles for a loss. That's great, but this line sucked. So, you know, when we look at right. some of these stats, we're like, oh, that's good, but they gave up like six yards of carry basically. So just Keep right. that in mind when you're looking at some of these tackles for a loss and all that stuff and, and what's here. Another thing is, as an Arizona fan, one of the biggest frustrations was the fact that our line was so small. Like, we weren't starting anybody over basically 280 on that line for a couple of years, and that was so frustrating, and it was it was difficult. You didn't see pressure on the quarterback. We gave up a ton of yards on the ground, and that kind of looks like this UCLA 
um, this UCLA group right now. Granted, UCLA's talent is was better than Arizona's, but there's only one player on this line right now that's above 300 pounds, and that's Martin Andrus, and he's not even slated to be <laughs> a starter. So, um, right. just if you're a UCLA fan, just or, or if you're somebody that just wants to know what's going on with Chip Kelly's offense and defense, I think, like we mentioned in the offensive section, the problems start in the trenches. They start at the offensive line and the defensive line. I mean, they're bringing Moses Robinson Carr over as a converted tight end just to try to fill some gaps here. So, um, yeah. I mean, do you think of, of like Marcus Moore, who um, is a sophomore that played a little bit as a freshman, you know, Marcus Andrews, this is a young line too when it comes to this, the next group of people that are backing up the starters. Is there anybody really that stands out? No, I mean, you, there's, I mean, what's, I think should be a concern is like, we've gone through all the names pretty quickly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you don't, you get to guys that are, you know, um, you know, Marcus Moore is a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, and then we're talking, you're immediately down to, you're barely through all the names and you're to the guys that are just going to be, you know, true freshmen. And that's a major concern. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm, so these guys are all in theory good enough to like break out, but you don't generally, I mean, without, with the exception of like really big name five-star guys, um, you don't see guys come in and like make a big impact early on, on, on the defensive line. Like they tend to, you tend to grow into being a big time contributor here. And I don't know that you look at this line and see that there's anybody that you sort of, exp- I mean, it's not to say that I think Kizzy and Lucifer South isn't, could not create an immense amount of pressure on his own but um they're going to need him to to kind of free up some of these other guys like they need somebody that can really require you know double teams and i don't know that they really have that Absolutely. When we go through their depth chart, I don't know if anybody's a Flight of the Concords fan, but when they did the Hip Hop Epotamus song, and the guy goes, they call me the Hip Hop Epotamus, my lyrics are bottomless, and then he just stops rhyming. <laughs> that's kind of like this defensive line. <laughs> I mean, it's like, all right, we're done. This is the, That's all we got. Um, all right, let, let's move to the linebacking core because this is a better unit on paper and, and I think in practice too. And like we mentioned, they're probably going to – push some of these guys up to put pressure on the quarterback. But this uh, linebacking core has five, uh, three five-star players. Two of them are, are very relevant. One of them may have fallen into a pit of despair, and we're not certain where he yeah. is, and we'll get to him in a bit. <laughs> but you mentioned Keyshawn uh, Lucier-South. So he was a five-star player coming out of high school. He's been uh, pretty solid this year. So he had uh, 53 tackles, five-and-a-half tackles for a loss, and, uh, and will definitely bring some pressure on the edge. And then – on the other side, you will likely have Jalen Phillips if he can, you know, hold down. He got hurt last year. He's another five-star commit, um, a year younger than Lucier South. He had 21 tackles, yeah. seven tackles for a loss, two passes break, breaking up. So on the edges, you're you're going to have some players that will be able to hopefully, in theory, make up for a lack of production from the front three up there. Uh, anything to say about those two guys? It's been interesting when they got him. I said, holy crap, like those are USC type players committing to UCLA and they've been fine. But, um, what have your impressions been of them so far? Well, it's interesting that they'll actually both, we sort of penciled them in on the outsides there because really both of them are more straight up pass rushers. Um, and it'll be interesting to see them having to do coverage, um, and doing more run support, um, because you can't be sending them both on all the pass plays all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so I think it'll be, it will be a bit of an adjustment for them uh, right there because they, they were sort of penciled in, you know, prior more as, you know, straight up defensive end types. 
Um, they certainly needed to put on some weight. It's not that I don't think they have the speed and athleticism to do it. It's just it's kind of a different functional um, uh, requirement for them. And yeah, I, I think that and in, in, in that sense, I think they could be good. Um, but if they if they struggle at all in, in picking up coverages, then um, you, know, you could live to regret sort of having them run on the field uh, when you're not sending them to the quarterback. Yeah, the one thing to mention is Lucier South was kind of forced to play the inside last year. Yeah, and, he was, yeah. And he was, you know, he had some stats there, but, like, he could be a dark horse. If he lives up to his expectations, you could see him as an all-Pac-12, maybe second-team uh, linebacker. There's some really good linebackers in this uh, in this Pac-12 season. But he, he could be one of those players that could be somebody that you have to keep an eye out for. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he grows into his natural position and really uh, steps up. Again, Phillips was injured a little bit last year. But the inside is kind of where the problems, I think, are going to happen. You you, know, you have a player yeah. like Chris Barnes who was thrown into the fire last year. He had some there's some injury problems and stuff. He had 50 tackles, a tackle for a loss. But I think one of the more difficult things here, Rob, is when you is to evaluate the linebacking core if you're not really looking at them, right? It's easy to blame a run game, uh, a problem stopping the run on the defensive line, but it's really the linebackers. When you, you And you know it when you see it. Um, you're like, oh, that linebacking core is not very good. But what do you look for when you're trying to evaluate players that like are on the inside uh, of, on a team that maybe isn't quite great there? Well, you look for the ability to read the read the blocks and read the gap. I mean, read the gaps, um, read where the ball's going and get to it and execute. Um, on those inside guys, your inside guys really have to be bangers. They have to be able to get in there and plug uh, your A and B gaps uh, and close them off. And UCLA just wasn't able to do that. I and mean, last year they were they were able to be blocked out again. Like you know, if you had a guard coming out unblocked, you know, they, these guys were picked up and next out. Um, and it really it, you don't give up as many yards as they were giving up without guys getting through your front seven and your safeties having to make the tackles. Um, so these guys need to really improve their ability and physicality, um, and they need to improve their, improve their reads too. So not just shedding a block, but recognizing where the ball's going and getting to it. Yeah, Chris Barnes is a good example. He was a boomer bus player. If you kind of read into UCLA's, like a lot of these uh, websites that were breaking down the linebacking core, basically he could have big plays and then he could totally get burned. So um, him adjusting and adapting and trying to figure out how to play to the speed of his game will be interesting to, to see. There's another guy in the middle. His name is Lokini uh, Teola or uh, Toeola. Yeah. Lucchini Toyola, um, he was another inconsistent underclassman. So he had 23 tackles last year. He could be physical, but there was times where he just struggled to figure out how to play Power 5 football. So, um, you know, th- those guys are going to be challenged. There- there's a player out there named Josh Woods. Woods yeah. was injured last year, and he had, I mean, he's, he was extremely productive. Um, so I, I think I think Woods could be good. Um We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might we might have to change. That. I'll take a look at that. I forgot that he was injured. So, um, I mean, if if he's back to his normal self, uh, yeah, you might have a stronger. Um, inside presence, which would be really good for this team. I, I, the one player to keep in mind of her is that Mike Juarez. So yeah. he was like a top 15 linebacker in his class and uh, kind of showed up to camp, but not really showed up to camp. And I think um, 
Jim Moore had an embarrassment of riches. So he's basically like, yeah, whatever. And I'm sure, I mean, it went way past that, but it, it wasn't like a loss of a top, you know, a top player coming into uh, his class was a big deal. And he's kind of been in and out of the doghouse. He had three tackles last year, but he's the other five-star player that's on this defensive uh, linebacking core. Do you think we see any real time out of him or is he kind of, uh, has he had his chance? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to write off someone that has the kind of athletic talent, you know, and just say, all right, well, forget it. Like, you're never going to figure it out. Um, I mean, it's not that that doesn't happen. It certainly does. You you sort of always in the back of your mind think, like, ah, if he just puts it together, like, he could be dangerous. Um, And I I still think that's true. Um, But his problems, from the most part of the reporting that I read, have been more, much more mental than yeah. they have been, you know, athleticism wise. So, um, new regime, new shot for everyone. But I mean, it's weird because last year the, the defense fell off so, so badly. And, and Bradley, their former defensive coordinator, was the defensive coordinator at Penn State for a really long time and a really well regarded guy, um, known for developing linebackers. And for them to really fall off, I mean, from where they were even when they had Miles Jack is, was very surprising because they really recruited well and it did not at all translate to the field last year. Yeah, particularly 2016. I was I was really all in on UCLA's defense the last couple of years because you just go, oh, I just see all the pieces here. This is great. And then they yeah. didn't put it together. And now a lot of those pieces left on the defensive line and in the secondary. So you're kind of going, oh, okay. <laughs> so now, now it's more just based on like star rating kind of what we're looking here okay these guys have been okay and they have the pedigree so can they put it together on the linebacking front do you think they will like is this going to be like where would you rank the ucla linebacking core at the end of the year i mean i think it's i think it's a there are b plus a minus linebacking core i mean i think they but i think they have upside like i genuinely look at the you look at the talent that they have available um and guys that could potentially be playing you know, not in, you know, if they avoid injuries like they had last year with Phillips and Woods. Yeah, this could be really good. I mean, these guys could be really good and they could help, you know, keep some of the pressure off of the secondary. They could limit some of those, you know, runs that were coming through, even if the defensive line is not great. Um, and they could help out in coverage because these guys certainly have the athleticism to help out even, you know, some of these guys you actually think could run with a, you know, a, a decent slot receiver. Um, and that's an amazing thing to have a linebacker that could potentially do that. But um, how much of it's going to be? I, I guess the question I would have is at the end of the year when we're looking at this, because they're going to get at the, at the end of it, they're going to get evaluated based on how the team as a whole sort of performed, how the defense as a whole sort of performed. And you, you kind of think that some of it, they may get subsumed in how bad we think the defensive line is going to be because it's, they are going to be fighting off blocks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you have the numbers on you, but does beta rank, where does beta rank put the, this run defense in general, uh, their projections? Oh, they for were 2018? oh so we don't project, I don't project for 2018. They were, um, for run specific numbers, I'll have those out in the first week um, for 2018 numbers. But they were 111th last year, and they're they're not bringing back a ton that gives you confidence they're going to get significantly better against the run. Yeah, it's just surprise. I mean, it's surprising given how much talent they have. Yeah, and if you're interested in kind of looking at the advanced statistics, not just for UCLA but any Pac-12 team, they're all on our website, Wildcat Radio AZ. We have 
literally breakdowns of every single team, um, not just for, I mean, we have them for the Pac-12, but you've done this for the entire college football spectrum, right? Um, so on the site, you'll find breakdowns for all the teams for the 2017 season. Um, and those are fairly in-depth getting into um, game-by-game uh, statistics as well as rating individual offenses, special teams, defenses, uh, and then overall team metrics. Then for the 2018 season, uh, we, I have the preseason model built out on returning production, uh, the prior year beta rank, and then our recruiting rankings over the last two years. So that we take that and then I project um, how we think you're going to do this year. It's I always think of the preseason model as a starting point for conversation because there are things that we just can't take into account in the model, um, like coaching changes. You know, so the team has a new, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, do you have a new staff? Um, and you know as you know what do we think of players coming back from injury that kind of thing those things are not really taken into account in the model and so we can sort of there i often talk about like does a team have upside versus the model or downside versus the model uh, but i also have uh, win probabilities put up for every game uh, for the 2018 season already up so you can click go on uh, if you're interested in seeing uh, anyone other than the pac-12 i have it broken out by conference and you can go find a, a team and its schedule and uh, look at the win probability assigned to each of their games. Yeah, it's really impressive. It's all in Wildcat Radio AZ. It's like broken out by category and like just a ton of stuff on the back end that I know you did because you're a wizard on that stuff. I would <laughs> all my stuff would have been like in Comic Sans and like in, not <laughs> situated in the right way. So check that out there. Also, um, in our Pac-12 preview, we have all this stuff. We have uh, we have kind of like radar graphics and numbers and all this stuff for each team. So definitely check that out. And, and it's good. It's, it, the numbers are legit. So uh, let's get into the secondary here because this was the bright spot, I think, of the UCLA defense. Uh, they weren't terrible, and I, that is yeah. the, that is the bright spot. Is they weren't terrible. Um, where did uh, where did Bay rank have that? I think it was sixty second. Yeah, they were ranked sixty second last year in overall uh, pass defense. So they're effect- they were effectively pretty good. And um, I mean. Let's okay. Let me rephrase that. Compared to their overall defensive ranking, and compared <laughs> to their effective pressure ranking, they were pretty good. Sixty-second is not good for a Power Five team to be ranked. But um, you know, for considering how bad they were at stopping the run, uh, it's it, I guess it's kind of a bright spot. Yeah, they held teams to fifty-seven percent uh, completion rate, which is pretty good. They held teams to one hundred ninety-six yeah. yards per game. Uh, one could argue that these numbers are great because teams realize that they could run for, you know, 6,000 yards on the secondary. And, uh, yes. but you know, that, that, whatever, uh, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, the one, the one bummer here is that, uh, Jaleel Wadud, right? Is that how you pronounce his name? <laughs> I've been watching this guy for like three years, and I never knew how to pronounce his name. Anyway, he was a second-team All-Pac-12 honoree. He was kind of an undersized safety, but he was really plucky. And, and just he's one of those players that if he was on your team and you have like a 5'10 safety running around just like punching people in the mouth, you're like, yeah, I like that guy. That was him. Um, and he graduates. Yeah. They have two proven players in the in the secondary here. And Andreas Pickett, a 5'11", 195-pound junior, um, he should get the starting safety spot. He had 85 tackles, four tackles for a loss, three pass breakups in 2017. Um, and Nate Meteors is decent. He's seen a significant playing time there um, and should have some time at the second. I think that I think their their safety position is probably the weaker of the two positions. Do, do you do you agree with that, or do you think their corners are, are a little weaker? 
No, I agree. I think that Darnay Holmes actually, um, he was a, he was a pretty good true freshman and I think he has a ton of talent and, um, I, uh, I, I like him to, to, to continue to build off what he did last year. So yeah, I'd, I'd say the safeties are a bit weaker and, um, you know, given that their your safeties are generally considered part of your run support, they certainly own some of the performance last year. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so there is there's experience there, but it's not um, not like world beating experience. But one would assume under a different uh, coaching staff, considering Jim Mora's uh, ex- exquisite <laughs> time there in Westwood, that they probably should be a little bit of a jumpier on the defense, uh, particularly with some some experienced safeties. But like you mentioned, so Darnay Holmes was the number four defensive back of the 2017 class, and he was pretty darn good as a true freshman, um, and, yeah. which is interesting, right? You're going to have a lot of uh, true freshmen at the corners here, not just at UCLA, but... Um, well, I, I, let's let's put this: uh, true sophomores, because you have UCLA, you have uh, Oregon is starting two basically true sophomores. You have somebody like Greg Johnson, who's technically a redshirt freshman. But it's interesting because you're seeing these like pr- pretty blue chip players starting to come into their own. I think Cal has a couple of them too. So just kind of an interesting time in the Pac-12 where you're going to have some really good secondary players next year that are definitely going to be NFL players. So keep a lookout for Holmes. He's going to be joined by Octavius Spencer, one of the All Pac-12 All Name teams like he, he is one of the yeah. best names we have in the conference um he had himself a pretty decent year 32 tackles four pass breakups and interception um yeah i mean like okay uh, if you if you want to come i mean there's the, the complaint i would say is that their safeties just don't have the size that you'd like for safeties and they're they seem to be more in the converted corner type mode and um they definitely have some athleticism but they they're not guys that can come up and bang and run support. Um, and that could, that could be bad <laughs> given, mm-hmm. given that, uh, how, you know, wild people ran over UCLA last year. The one thing that could happen is Quentin Lake, who is a, um, I gotta figure out, I forget what, I think he's a sophomore. Uh, he, could he, he's one of these you know speaking of hybrid corner safety players he's another one of yeah. those guys that if he beats out like Nate Meteors over at safety uh, he could push him back to the corner or he could play the corner so there is there is some talent here and there's a rotation it's not like all question marks everywhere but it's just not um, an entrenched unit that is going to be awesome this year but you know like w- I would assume they're if all things go well, maybe like a top 40 secondary, that that's pretty good, right? Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I would feel good about these guys if I was a UCLA fan. I mean, this is this is definitely the strength of your defense um, and the most set and certain part of your defense and the part where people have, for the most part, actually played up to their recruiting ranking. Okay, so we have a, a decent to pretty good secondary, a good yeah. linebacking core, and uh, a mess of a defensive line. If you're playing EA Sports, uh, college football 2018, what would your grade be for this defense? This defense is a C, and that's harsh. And the model actually likes the defense, and the model's a little confused here. And the model <laughs> it gets confused because in defense, recruiting rankings really matter. It's mm. Defense recruiting ranks are more correlated with your on-field production than, than the offense. So... Uh, the, the preseason model looks at UCLA's overall recruiting, um, because I don't get, I, I do not get separate defensive recruiting metrics, unfortunately. Um, but it looks at it and says, Oh, look at this wonderful UCLA recruiting. These guys are going to be great. 
but there's just weird holes all over this defense. Um, there's, you know, I mean, not just on the defensive line, but you just don't have an immense amount of confidence. And I gotta say, I mean, the new defensive coordinator, like he hasn't called plays in quite a while. Who, who is um, the defensive coordinator? I forgot. It's, uh, Jerry, uh, Azanaro. And he's, I mean, he goes back a little ways with Kelly, but I mean, I, I think it's been 15 years or so since he was actually a play calling defensive coordinator. And I just found that really surprising that this was the guy that Kelly chose to bring in given the investment that, uh, UCLA has put, I mean, clearly put into football with the new football facilities they have and hiring Kelly. Um, oh no, oh no, uh, Don Pelham has made an appearance on this staff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's, I, I it's just, I'm out. There's a lot of uncertainty. I'm done. I'm, the, 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 you should put that in the model. Just put Don Pelham in the model. It'll just negative 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you were looking at this, this defense, which was, which was bad last year under a very highly regarded play caller and coach in Tom Bradley. Um, and I think unusually bad because he had put together mostly good defenses at UCLA. Uh, in, in the advanced stats, bringing, bringing in a new guy that has not called plays, it's like, since I think he was at Boston College back in like the mid aughts, like yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's Even a bold move powerhouse, to Rob. Come on. I mean, yes, yeah, but I mean, they were mostly a defensive powerhouse when they had the guy that went to Michigan. Um, <laughs> like, I just, it's not, it doesn't, and nothing on this defense at the moment sort of jumps out at you and gives you an immense amount of confidence that they're going to like really turn it around. Like this isn't like the Oregon hire, um, of Jim Levitt, you know, from Colorado where you're like, Oh man, like this can be really good. They hired somebody great. Like it's not to say that like as an RO might not turn out to be an inspired hire and we could all look stupid, but, um, He's got a lot of, I mean, there's some downside to it, you know, like as well as, you know, some potential upside, but I would bet more on the downside. So I don't think this defense lives up to its, I mean, the, the, the model because the recruiting has been so good for UCLA projects them to be 36. I'd be surprised uh, if they're at 36. And if they are like, congrats, like as an hour, done a hell of a job, but uh, I'd be very surprised if they're able to do that. Um, and it's going to be tough. I mean, they've got Oklahoma. Like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was the question I had for you. So the projected beta rank has them at 41, which isn't yeah. terrible. But the expected win good. total is like 4.4 or 5.4. Is that just because of the schedule that they have? Or how how is the discrepancy there so different? Yeah, the discrepancy is different because UCLA does have a tough, uh, a very tough uh, non-conference schedule they don't have a um they do not play a uh what am i thinking of they don't play a division or an fcs team so <laughs> no automatic win um they get oklahoma i believe they also have uh cincinnati and, Fre- and, and fresno, fresno state which is fresno like <laughs> under soon to be back in the pac-12 at some job near you jeff tedford yep uh, yep <laughs> you know leading the resurgence looking at you oregon state uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so like they're not yeah oh jeez <laughs> don't don't like i mean i think that might be good for the beavers but like let them have their moment with smith uh <laughs> But also UCLA, like because of the deal that they made uh, and USC made um, when they uh, formed the Pac-12, 
they don't skip Cal or Stanford, which Cal is less of a big deal, um, although UCLA has fallen flat on their face versus Cal plenty. Um, but they, they don't ever skip Stanford. So they, they have a, they have their work cut out for them because, um, Fresno was pretty good last year. And I expect that Tedford will kind of like, they were mostly carried by their defense last year, but Tedford is more known as an offensive coach. Um, I would expect Fresno to maybe even be better on offense than the model projects, but really Lincoln Riley is probably the smartest offensive mind in all of football pro or college at the moment. And, even losing Baker Mayfield, like I fully expect Oklahoma to just be able to demolish UCLA. So that's going to be tough. That's going to, it's going to be a baptism of fire and they mostly get, you know, like they get Washington, you know, they don't really miss anybody and they get Oregon. They don't really miss anybody that's going to be maybe having a down year in the PAC 12 North, um, Washington state, with all the staff turnover that they had, you could see them maybe not living up to expectations. It's, it's just a tough schedule for them. Yeah. Now I'm looking at it right now. It's going, oh, good luck, man. But it'll be interesting to see if Chip Kelly is able to recruit at a level that brings this team back next year. And uh, I know they're not giving out a lot of scholarships. They're trying to make them count for so whatever that means. <laughs> like, I guess it's just, just a fact. It's not um, not a lot to put. That sounds, like, that sounds like a Chip. That sounds like a Chip Kellyism. Uh <laughs> <laughs> is that like is that is that French for um, I'm not really going to recruit really a lot because I don't want to, <laughs> so I'm just going to offer just, good people. I just uh, it's it sort of seemed like he and it, it may be sort of true that it, I mean he should be able to not have to give out a ton of offers at UCLA and still land some high quality players, but. Um, it sounds like some one of those sort of new coach speak type things. Like we're going to work harder. Like we're not going to, we're not just going to recruit everybody and give everyone an offer. We're only going to recruit really good players. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, isn't that everyone's goal? You know, (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't know what they're doing over at USC, but uh, it seems kind of like that might be their plan too. Um, No, I mean, it's, it's a bit of an island of misfit toys. I mean, there are some wonderful pieces that on another team you might just say, all right, like this tight end group would fit in perfectly on, you know, a team that could potentially contend for the national title. But what do you, even if every other unit was good, if your offensive and defensive lines are in the kind of trouble and have the lack of depth that UCLA has, like you're going to have problems. Like it's, you're gonna have you're gonna struggle to beat good teams, um, no matter how ta- how much talent you have um, behind those units. Like it's it's really it it could it could be a long season in Westwood. Yeah, but it'll be fun to watch because uh, you're watching this guy. I mean, but really, like I'm gonna watch. I'm hoping at least half of the UCLA games live, and then you know go back and try to check out some of them on the, the whatever the Pac-12 thing is, just because it's a really good coach trying to figure, you know, trying to juggle some stuff, and that's always fun to watch because they'll probably nip somebody in the butt, and oh, they'll yeah. probably just get whooped up on by a couple teams, and all of that's must-see TV. Um, all right, like, let's end it here. The, the next podcast we okay. keep saying we keep teasing the free balling podcast and see you. We will have them on for sure. Um, so Colorado will be our next preview. Uh, normally we try to bring on a guest, but we just wanted to plow through UCLA. So thanks for listening to Rob and I, but just know that we're going to continue to bring on Pac-12 experts and talk about 
Uh, not that we're not Pac-12 experts, but you know, other other Pac-12 uh, less less inclined yeah, thank you. Thank you. Pac-12 experts to uh, to break down some of these teams. Again, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. Follow us on Twitter, 12 Pack Radio, um, and you can go visit our website WildcatRadioAZ.com, where we have all of our Pac-12 content up. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week.